Hello nerds! Welcome to another installment of A New Nerd in Nine. Today I am going to share with you the mini bio of Joan Beauchamp Proctor, who was a zoologist. Joan Proctor was born in England on August 5th, 1897 to Joseph Proctor, a stockbroker, and Elizabeth Brockbank Proctor, who was an artist. Her family had a lot of interest and passion in art and science, and this was a huge influence on Joan as well as her sister, Christabel. Their maternal grandfather, William Brockbank, was a lover of art as well as an amateur botanist and geologist. And her sister, Christabel, would grow up and later become a state manager at Bryanston School in Dorset and garden steward at Girton College, Cambridge. While Joan was still in Norland Place School, which was like a, a co-ed prep school in London, she developed this curiosity and, and passion and love for amphibians and reptiles. This was in a time when women were viewed as quote unquote dainty, but Joan kind of dismissed that and she kept what people would consider to be kind of exotic and dangerous pets, which was several snakes and lizards. Um, it's even said that she had a large Dalmatian lizard that was like her special pet who would travel with her and would sit at the table with her at mealtimes. Despite being plagued by chronic illness, she continued schooling. And at the age of 16, Joan acquired a young crocodile as a pet. She apparently took this crocodile with her to school and it's said to have interrupted a mathematics lesson. Can only imagine. Unfortunately, um, despite being what others said was a brilliant student, Joan did not continue her plan of extended education at Cambridge University due to her illness. Her illness just kept interrupting school, so she opted out of the time that it would that would be needed to go to Cambridge. She was still very inquisitive about reptiles, and she came to the attention of gentleman who was the keeper of reptiles and fishes at the British Museum, Mr. George Albert Boulanger. I hope I'm saying that right. He actually invited her to become his assistant in 1916, knowing her interest, and continued her education kind of unofficially in, in zoology. When she was 19, she presented her first scientific paper to the Zoological Society of London, on variations of a Central and South American pit viper. And in August of 1917, she was actually elected as a fellow of the Zoological Society. George Boulanger retired in 1920, and Joan actually took over all the responsibility for the reptiles at the museum, receiving a small stipend for her work. Now, I didn't see this listed, but I'm going to guess that it was nothing like George had been receiving for doing basically the same job. But she continued publishing scientific papers and her involvement with the Zoological Society kind of brought her into the world of other scientists. And, and she was consulted by lots of, of other scientists from around the world. 
at the museum. She actually kind of pulled from her family's art and science influences to create models for display cases. And she painted a series of scientifically accurate um, paintings of amphibians and reptiles. In early 1923, her former boss, George Boulanger, his son, Edward, was given the responsibility of developing a new aquarium at London Zoo. Now, through the zoological society and the awareness of each other, Edward promptly went to Joan to ask her for help, despite the fact that she was still working at the British Museum. So Joan was helping Edward with this whole concept for the new aquarium um, for many months. And then Edward was appointed director of the aquarium later in that same year. And Joan Proctor was appointed as his successor as curator of reptiles at London Zoo. It was said that in a letter to a friend, Joan actually wrote that she was pleased to leave the museum since its conditions were unfavorable to women. At London Zoo, she actually became quite famous um, because the public was not accustomed to seeing this like small blonde woman handling all of these you know, huge snakes and lizards and, and dangerous animals. In 1926, once again, her artistic and scientific experience were called upon to help architects design the zoo's new reptile house. And that reptile house, um, at the time of this article that I was reading, is still in use today. It was the first of its kind to be built specifically, like taking into the concerns, right, of its occupants, the animals, um, and was designed to provide them with a good environment or one that they would be accustomed to, one that um, fit their needs. So she was kind of a forerunner in that whole concept of designing uh, these enclosures for these animals to be a reflection of their natural habitat. She became an expert in handling as well as the care for these reptiles and amphibians, even some big, potentially scary ones like the Komodo dragons. She was known to develop a special kind of rapport with the animals, and she had declared that, you know, with good care, feeding, routine handling, these animals, you know, some of them could be as tame as dogs and even seem to show affection. One of those animals was a Komodo dragon named Sambawa, who kind of became her, her special <laughs> animal. And it was said that Sambawa would accompany Joan as she walked around the zoo, and she would often steer it by holding the tail. In 1928, she proved her point about building the rapport with animals in a demonstration of a Komodo dragon. At a scientific meeting of the Zoological Society, she fed it chicken, eggs, and a pigeon by hand while petting it. Despite her chronic ill health, several surgeries, and just constant pain in the background of her everyday life, she continued to display great determination and good humor. In 1928, though, the seriousness of her illness um, led her to decide to resign from her post at the zoo. Uh, but Herbert Russell, the 11th Duke of Bedford, and then president of the Zoological Society, refused to accept her resignation. 
So she continued to help with planning like a new zoological park. Um, she continued to make rounds, you know, she'd be making the rounds now in a wheelchair, often with a Komodo dragon on a leash. Uh, but she was not involved in the more strenuous activities like the handling, but still, still around and still a fixture for sure. Joan Proctor passed away on September 20th, 1931, at just the age of 34, so very young. One of the artists that Joan worked with in the design of the reptile house sculpted a marble bust of her. And again, at the time of this article, it said it's still on display at the entrance of the reptile house at London Zoo today. The claim was that Joan approved of his sculptures when they were building the reptile house for their beauty and accuracy. And so this marble bust that he made of her is said to be the best likeness around. A quote from Joan, presumably when being asked, why is she doing this? <laughs> was, why shouldn't a woman run a reptile house? Women are at work in my country and the rest of the world in all types of work and professions. That's the story of Joan Proctor, zoologist, amphibian reptile aficionado. Um, and there were a couple of things that struck me about her. One, she was like the crocodile hunter before the crocodile hunter we are accustomed to from, uh, from media today. So I thought that was pretty interesting that this, this, you know, chronically ill woman was so passionate about kind of those underdog creatures. So if you listen to my last full episode with Jose, the real Batman. Um, I thought this would be a good tie-in with that. The other thing that kind of struck me was, I guess, the empathy she had for these creatures and being kind of an origin of that, that thought process that is used in zoos today in terms of building structures, building the enclosures and the exhibits in ways that are as supportive as can be as positive as can be for the animals. Um, so regardless of your perspective of zoos, pros, cons, I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, she was a driving force to at least make the scenario as positive as possible for those occupants. I hope you enjoyed this installment and stay tuned for more. If you want to keep in touch, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook via the handle Brains, Boobs, Beer. I've also started a Discord server, so if that is your preferred method of communication, look for that also as Brains, Boobs, Beer server. And then periodically, I do post blogs on the website. You can also link to episodes and send us a note there if you want to connect with anyone or perhaps if you want to be on an episode. And that website is www.brainsboobsbeer.com. Cheers.